the Damaged Goods Podcast. For Senegal, so I had to just like tap in it and tell them a little bit about it. But. What, what is it? What's the Acon project? Is it something you're involved with? No, I'm not in, involved with it. Basically, like he is in the world's eyes building a city in Senegal. Yeah, he's been doing a hell of a lot of work back there. Right, right. But the thing about it is there's a lot of confliction on it because of China's involvement in Africa in general and and in this deal and employing Chinese people and just the the, the trade-off for allyship with infrastructure. Like, you know, so they kind of own in a lot of what we're doing. So a lot of people that root for this project don't live in Senegal. You know what I mean? They don't really understand like all the repercussions and shit. Oh. I mean, I've uh, I've been definitely aware of, of China's like presence financially, economically in in Africa for a while, and in, in various countries in Africa, they got their hands in a lot of shit. So you were saying that the the conflict or the issues that Akon's trying to hire Chinese people to work for what he's doing, and that's an issue, or am I misunderstanding it? Well, it's not so much just that, it's that we are going to be in extreme uh, debt. You know what I'm saying? And exactly. And it's like, it started with the Lighting Africa project. You know what I mean? It's not like anything terrible and it might be a lot of great shit that come of it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I think the pros, truthfully, might outweigh the cons in a big way. But it's just, it's no matter what, when you're getting big things done, there's certain sacrifices. Yeah, a lot of people come to put their hands in in your pockets and put their stir the pot too. Right, know? and it's even bigger than just uh, just Senegal. You know, as you were just saying, like it's the whole continent. It's just the ongoing theme of taking every resource possible. Yeah, taking the top, uh, You know what I mean? Not not really giving back as much, but it's like if it wasn't so divided, there would be more power in Africa. Like, but every time there's an attempt at unite, uniting portions of Africa, it gets stricken down. Someone gets uh, taken out of office, you know what I mean? So it's just so much stagnance that's like forced. Yeah. You know? And it's crazy. It's, it's so foul. It is, it is. Uh, were, you, were you born in Senegal? I was, I was born in Nashville. My father was born New in Nashville. Yep. Are you, are you originally from New Hampshire? Yeah. Okay, so I, I, like when I met you, I was in Boston and shit many years oh, ago. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Do you ever remember meeting me? I have a fucked up memory, and I remember meeting you a long time ago in Lace. Yeah, yeah back in the day, they did. Yeah, dog, don't right, say like, that. That's like, now you're making me feel extremely old, man. Oh, it just made me. I feel. I be feeling old. Dog, <laughs> but I, it's I, not even that. It's just when I say back well, in the day, that, that more so like when I began onto the Boston scene. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. That was like oh nine, oh eight. That is that's fucking uh, that is a long time ago, man. Uh, that for anybody, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's a decade. Th this uh this youthful, this youthful voice on Damaged Goods, uh, my guest today, he's a he's a musician and like a real artist. He's not just doing one thing. He MCs, he produces, he's an engineer, and Aziz, Aziz the Shake. Finally, that's we've been trying to get this cracking and uh unfortunately because we're both in los angeles but due to certain health situations we're doing the the zoom podcast thing you know hey i don't keep it but it kind of looks 
a lot clearer on my end and your end than I thought it would. Oh yeah, no, I mean I, 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 I look like a FaceTime, you know what I'm saying? Nah, nah. And the, the sound quality is better than like I used to. I've done them on Skype and shit before. Never sounded as good, you know. This so, is straight. Yeah, man. I had a one of my my best friends in high school and in college. He he moved from Senegal to Massachusetts just for high school, right? He had some family in Florida, but. And he was nasty at soccer. So in high school, he was like captain of our soccer team. And then me and him ended up going to the same college in Boston. And he was what captain of uh, North, Northeastern. Oh, his okay, name? I went, to, I went to Brandeis. Oh, word. Yeah, he was the captain of the Northeastern soccer team. My man, Umar Tim, for uh, all the years he went there. And then we lived together. And he almost played pro, but he's, he was, you know, uh, a wild dude in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, this dude would pack, smoke like a pack of Marlboro Reds. Smoke mad backwards with us, do like drugs, crazy shit, run around, and and kill it on the field, like better than all these motherfuckers, dude. You know, and he would say basically, he's like, I, I, you know, I came over when we came to high school. You know, we're fifteen. He's like, yeah, man, uh, see this here, like I got stabbed playing soccer back home in Senegal. So like out here playing for this shit is nothing, you know. Right. He's always had a real ill approach to it. No, Senegal, man. It'll make you tough, you know what I'm saying? My father's solid, like nothing really can phase him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Most of my family is there, and my mother, well, I got 89 first cousins, that's my last count, and just in, Senegal, just in Senegal, and 12 aunts and uncles, nine living. Yeah, and, and my mom's side, she's from Germany. Oh, where? So, yeah, so she, on my, my mother's side is over there. What part Fulda, of Germany? Fulda and Frankfurt. Word, I've been to Frankfurt before. I've been all, all up in Germany in some, you know, smaller towns, bigger cities. You been there before? Yeah, last I was there, I was pretty young. I was like 11, though. Oh, okay, yeah. When traveling places is always different once you hit a certain age. Oh, you experience certain elements more, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to um, probably pack, pop out this this year. I had, um supposed to go to Senegal this August. But it's kind of out. I had a family reunion August twenty fourth. <laughs> yeah, travel plans, family reunions, weddings, a lot of things like that have definitely been put to the wayside. For real, yeah, man, it's tough. Fuck shit up, man. Fucks up travel because, like, for me, man, my one of my my main job for the last five years, other than writing and shit, is is I work in touring, live music, big artists. I travel the world with them. And you're talking like, not like little hundred person venues, you know, arenas and shit. Yeah. That's a lot of people, so that's a big concern. I mean, right. that shit's not coming back till fall 2021. I mean, me, so many people I know, right. I should be on the road right now. And like, I was on the road. You supposed to be on the road right now for two months. Yeah, and dude, it's it's it sucks for live music because I don't. I feel like that's gonna be one of the last things to really come back because you you're talking about people packed in close. You're talking about riding tour buses, traveling around, you know? I mean, ah, dude. They already opened it up in um, Georgia for live yeah. And in, in Arizona, I'm seeing they're having like 40% yeah. capacity shows. Yeah, I mean. It just won't be, I get it though. It won't be full scale for a little <laughs> while. It won't be. And it's tough if you think about it, like imagine you got a, a music venue, whether it's a big one, a little one, and you do it at half capacity, half as many fans. That's only half as many ticket sales. So if it's a big show with a big production, you can't sure. cover the cost. It, it ain't gonna pay the, the the musician ain't gonna make money. The crew can't be paid. The you know right. at the loss, it's fucked, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, I keep it funky too. Like even though that was like my main line of work, I'm not 
super eager yet to jump back into like a 20,000 person arena working and shit yet. I want to see how it goes a little bit first. You know what I'm saying? I ain't ain't trying to be the first lemming off the cliff. I feel it. I feel it. For me, like, I feel like I've been out and about in these protests. I've been Yeah, same. But yo, but. It's like, damn. But we're overdue the risk. I don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to wear that mask, this and that. Um, I just have conflicted feelings, but I won't be selfish about it. Nah, and I think there's a difference. Like, I've been at a lot of protests myself. There's a few things that I feel make those different. For one, we're outside. You're in a protest, but you're in fresh air. You got UV, vitamin D raining down, and people are moving. The air particles, even if they are germs or viruses, they're breaking apart quick in that wind and that sun. And everybody, when I've been at all these protests, everybody has masks on, strangely, except fucking the cops and the National Guard. They didn't tend to have masks on at all. But people in the streets, we we all have masks on. So I'm not worried about that being outside. It's the indoor things where there's no fresh air circulating, where there's no vitamin D and UV lights coming down. That's where it might be more of an issue. And I don't even know if it really is or not. But That's my thing. It's like no one knows. Yeah. They've proven that. Yeah. And I have no trust in shit. And I never did really, but now it's supreme massive distrust of everything. Yeah, it's hard it's like, to trust it because they keep changing the story. It's and the, hard the, to trust intentions. Yeah. It's hard to, you gotta read certain numbers and gauge your your fear like on that. Like they want you, if they got a certain shit, anything on the 24 hour news cycle is gonna fuck you up. Yeah, and that's 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 been going on forever. Ever since they invented the 24 hour news cycle, they need to fill those 24 hours. And what better way to keep you viewing right. than you shook? I think this shit is valid. I know it's valid. I, yeah, know, I know people that have died. Exactly. Yeah, I know, three that's people have died. I know it's a real thing. Yeah, you know but, but how real is it? How lethal is it? That's right? my thing. I, I was just watching on the Black Plague. The Black Plague wiped, wiped out 40% of humankind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like 40%. It's big. Like twice. It was two. I think there was three three renditions. You feel me? Like it's a force. I'm watching it. I'm like, yo. And they didn't even figure out until the like second or third time around where it came from. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it, that shit came from the goddamn fleas on the rats. Yeah. You know what I'm so like for this shit, it's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. It's a lot of, they're not going to give the masses information without real intention like you know what i mean like i don't think they want to cause a panic unless they want to cause a panic yeah because it can be utilized and manipulated for certain people's benefits yeah they could have kept us calm about it they could have they could have been like yo have used it at certain times for certain maybe businesses or corporations to benefit so i mean i could imagine come november election time if if i was the president I would unveil and roll out another stimulus thing. So people are like, oh man, you saved us. Yeah, I'm gonna vote for you. Like September, October, I'm gonna be boom. Here's your money, here's your money. Just to to make people feel like you did something for them and trick them into that. of an event to not capitalize off for these people. There's no way they're gonna not capitalize on something of this magnitude if they capitalize on all kinds of other smaller issues. Yeah, they're like, yo, stay in the crib. You did it. What? You you in the crib for real? Everybody listen? Okay, bet. Let's yeah. keep dominating power. Like, how you is gonna stop stop giving direction? Like, dog, now you got them. You know what I mean? So shit, now everybody in tune, it's a whole different like thing. You know what I mean? You step outside, you gotta wear a mask. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I you go to a little spot. You, you I'm looking inside. No one has a mask on, but you have to wear one in like an ID. Yeah, it's like just to show. It's like, hey, look, I'm cool. I got this, but then you don't gotta. And I would honestly, dude, I've seen some people in bars around here. Like, it don't look fun sitting there with that shit on, hanging out. Like, I'd rather sit in somebody's backyard with my homies and have some drinks and be right. relaxed than have to be all uptight in there and shit like that. I'm saying it is it's really a wild time, you know. And this is, and it, and on top of that, to back back to back with what's going on, it's a race war right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's being, everything is just feels incited. Yeah. And, and it's just so much evil, bro. Like, so much evil, bro. But I say this is the first time where I feel like my struggles are being, like, acknowledged. And everybody, like, shit I'm saying, they just being passed over. It's, like, reflected in the matches. And whether that's a fucking agenda or not, cool. I'm cool with people picking their side and showing their ass. Yeah, cool. you know where people stand, right? You don't have to be surprised and, and people aren't hiding. And one thing I think, tell me what you feel about this. Cause like, I'm, I'm a, I don't know how old you are. I'm a little older. I've been protesting for 20 years, dog. I've been, I've been going to all kinds of different ones. And one thing I noticed that's different about what's going on now is the amount of people not just in the United States, oh, everywhere, and the consistency of the daily thing. And I directly correlated to people not having jobs because of COVID-19, yep. being locked down, being out of school. Like, I used to do a lot of sports. Like no that. entertainment. So, and people are fed up, people are stressed, people are out of work, they don't know when work might ever come back, and they got nothing else to do. And then, the, you know, your rage boils, your frustration, you're looking at videos and shit. Why not hit the streets? So that's why I think we're seeing more people out there active than we have in a long time. And not just in the States, dude. This is around the fucking world. Agreed. You know, that's one thing I definitely, maybe that's a, an upside to the virus. Some, you know, people always say, try to look at the blessings and everything. And if there was one in that, it's, it's maybe lended a helping hand to the, the causes out there. Because right. people have the time. This shit has to have awareness. And I'm just talking like with, with the NBA situation, you know, there's a it's a complex situation. I don't know if you're you're hip with the Kyrie Irving and yeah. I'm with Kyrie on it. The more I think why don't about, you for like uh, some listeners that might not be hip, why don't you break it down a little bit? So basically the NBA was one of the it was the first major league to shut down. Like they shut down first things first. I thought at that point, whoever got it, I, we all believe the mortality rate to be much higher. Yeah, so that was scary, motherfuckers. It was very scary. And watching it, and this Rudy Gobert got it on the Utah Jazz, and then other players got it, and we sitting there like, yo, he's young and athletic. You know what I mean? Healthy, black. You know what I mean? We didn't think that was gonna happen. So, bruh, that shit shut down. NBA completely shut down the league operations. And now it's to the point where it's been months and they might return in some form. But they were thinking about going to Orlando and having a quarantine yeah. bubble, I mean, season uh, and have 22 teams out there, abbreviated. But I'm talking to players and there's multiple reasons why players don't want to do it. One, there's four months away from family. There's, if you're single, no fam, you're young, there's months away from socializing. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to end up fooling around with the damn trainers and shit. 
And it's yeah. Orlando, dog. I don't know if you've ever been to Orlando. It ain't the dopest place in the world. No offense to Orlando. And it's at the Disney Wild World of Sports. So technically, they're not supposed to leave that campus. You feel me? So it's like, that's a lot. And then on top of that, now you really want to affect somebody, you affect their pockets. So to use the voice right now in the platform, I don't think some people's stance is like, yo, if you don't agree to continue the season, you're not using your platform. Right. And you've given up your mic. And that's what I heard somebody quote saying. You know what I mean? That's a, on, on sports. And I'm just like, yo, it's not like once you stop playing these super mega stars, the biggest stars in the world, soccer and basketball, um, that they their platform just dissipates when the league is in lockdown. If anything, it's going to heighten. They have to listen to these motherfuckers because the product ain't fucking with you no more. Yeah. So, so now who got who got the, the say? You know, when, when these billionaires is going to take a L every night when there's not 20,000 people in concession and everybody in there that's working and every surrounding block that they has jobs around those the sales, the TV deals, the playoff bonus, everything, everything that goes into it. So, yeah, you want to hold them hostage? Don't keep dancing. Yeah. You've been dancing for quite some fucking time and very well. So that's where they're getting all their money is off our likeness. As a parallel with NCAA, too. They they just now giving people the ability to monetize on that. Finally, after making money off these kids, these kids. Only these players are putting the press to go straight to the the G League, and the G League is like, yo, fuck it, we'll pay tuitions too. Hmm. Fuck with us. That's a better deal anyway. Why wouldn't you be able to go into a farm system in a black league like the white leagues? Yeah. White leagues got AAA. They got juniors. You know what I mean? Like, it's different. Every time, and it makes no fucking sense, but they just want to hold your power. Like, you go D1, you can't even get a job on campus. Yeah, it's fucked up. Fuck is that? So we supposed to be popped, can't even hit the cafeteria after hours, or order, order dominoes. Yeah, and how are you not going to want to accept if somebody does offer offer a proposition, give some money to, like, right. when you're, you're hurting, you're hurting, you need to eat, you need to pay for books, right. you need to pay for- and More than likely, that's the height of your value yeah. for basketball. Like there was a study, I don't know what year, mid 2010s, about a, a like a eighth man on a Maryland basketball team, University of Maryland, and he was worth like a twelve million dollar a year salary, and they broke it down. So it's like when you can't even monetize off that shit, you can't even go get a Gatorade commercial, you can't even go uh, be in a video game. They had to shut the whole NCAA games down. You looking in the school store, they selling your number without your name. Mm. They know exactly what that number is, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's so it's like all that shit, you're just feeling crazy. And then they end up, like when my brother was at UConn, they ended up. Oh, at UConn? Yeah, he played football at UConn. Shit. And we was there, this was like 04, so I was there a lot with the basketball players, football players. And, dog, there was a whole thing where players were stealing laptops, doing all sorts of extra shit to get money. Why the fuck would they be in that position to get have to get money elsewhere when they are providing this this university millions? And I've eaten, dude. They make money. They make so much money. Bro, you get a hundred thousand off a weak ass bowl win as a coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the players get nothing. Actually, they get less than nothing. And if you lose your athletic ability, it's no more student. So yeah. it's athlete student. Become very disposable very quickly. 
super, super disposable, bro. So like, kind of tying into what you were saying about that in regards to athletes, there's, you know, in the last few weeks, there's a lot of talk about, uh, not, I'm not gonna use the word celebrities, but more specifically like artists. Let's, let's keep it in, in music. Uh, okay. People, you know, some people wanna, wanna know where their favorite artists stand. Certain people, you know, fans, I guess you could say, are kind of curious, uh, you know, why didn't this person speak out, but this one did and, and things like that. And one thing I thought, like, um, I don't know if you saw that new Chappelle special. I did not. I seen only a couple of so clips. Don't worry, I'm gonna, I got you, I'm gonna spoil it, bro. But one thing he said that I thought was very poignant that ties into this is that, you know, people were saying, oh, Dave, like, why aren't you speaking about it? And what, if you know, like, that man's uh, track record in comedy, he's been speaking about it through his art for years. So I don't right. think, you know, if it came to music, right, say we're gonna talk about hip hop, somebody said something like, yo, why didn't Kendrick Lamar say some shit about like this? And right. I think J-Rock was like, this motherfucker made albums about it. I don't think people are worried about the artists that have constantly spoken about social issues, but I think people wanna know where their other artists stand, or, cause some people are very vocal. Some people- I wanna know where the white artists stand. Yo, I wanna, that's- yeah, I, yeah. We are living it. I don't care who says what, like, you, we don't, whether, however you internalize this struggle is how you internalize it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't blame nobody for how they're handling this. You know what I mean? Because we the ones have to deal with it. Yeah, but there's people that eat off of the culture, that, yeah, no, have it, that have profited off of it, and they're so down and loyal to it. And I've seen them been silent. There's certain people I, I know that are in the industry. I don't fuck with them anymore because I'm not in it like that. But right. I, I've seen them almost post like mockery type things lately in these times and you're so vocal all the time and you like to make money off this shit, but you ain't got shit to say about this shit because right. they don't want to jeopardize your money. It's yeah. a clear sign that- How they've moved their whole life. Yeah, and that's, I think these they are- They don't want to be quiet thing. when people are racist in the room. And it goes back to what you said earlier, but it kind of shows you who's who. Maybe those are the people that, we, now you can see how they work in the culture and they really just are pariahs and leeches. Mm -hmm. Maybe they can be cut off out of there and you can keep people who actually give a fuck about it. Yeah, like let's work towards a system where uh, I don't know black people who are making all the entertainment run it too. Yeah, as it, I mean, it should be like that. And you know, you see, you see smaller independent businesses like that trying to thrive. And now's the time for people to support those labels, those management companies, those artists, and to right. not. Probably got to put the press on now. Like, when is a better time than now than the NBA to say, "Nah, we not fucking with it." This is the probably the the first time in its history where there's a pivotal moment like that for not just the players and shit, but also fans and people too, you know, cause fans- Attention. Technology. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, right. People are home. It's true. I think like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like um, some people are just, they, they, they don't really understand how so much is connected, like the, the economic connection to the cultural connections and everything, like how deep it goes, especially with like professional sports, organized sports, or, or the, the entertainment industry on a very high level, you right. know? And I get it, man. People like want to preserve these careers they've worked for, you've, you've made sacrifices for. But for me, like I'm an artist, but before I'm an artist, man, I'm a man. You know, I got morals. I got standards, I got principles. I, my heart beats a certain way and my head thinks a certain way. So right. like, 
I've, dude, I, I said it on my last podcast. I've lost mad followers. There's probably mad people that bought my book, that used to listen to my radio show, my podcast, who maybe right. didn't know how I felt about certain things, but like exactly. these ways I've always felt. And so I speak about them and, oh, you don't want to fuck with me no, no more. You, you don't, perfect, though, you know? perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want no racist followers. That's the problem. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a way of like weeding people out, you know? Uh, you kind of can see. My, I've always said that I prefer a wolf to a wolf in sheep's clothing. Because at least with a wolf, I know where I stand. You know what I'm saying? I know that wolf got fangs. He might have a pack. He's vicious. The wolf in sheep's clothing, you don't know it's a wolf until it's too late. And right. that goes for politicians and shit like that, you know? I'd, I'd prefer a shitty-ass, uh, blatantly whack-ass Republican dude, because I know where he's at, than some Democrat dude pandering and, and playing the role when he's actually enacting the same uh, legislation behind closed doors. He's just playing a role and tricking you. So people think, oh, he's, he's a got our back, and they just kind of lull themselves to sleep. Yeah, shit, they're know? both very dangerous. Yeah, they're because both. the person both. in that power, when you're looking at them, like, especially as just a naive person, like most of this country, just a little, little bit of naive mm-hmm. to and think that these people, just, they just take shit at face value. So regardless of what the, which direction, whether it's Republican leaning yeah. or Democrat leaning, whichever, some people take their word as gospel, you know, and that's the influence that he's been saying. Now there is a absolute pass on racism overtly here. Yeah. And it it it's like whatever whatever people say they go and it's like cool, but it's also now he's very very divisive. That's the main shit. And it's I think the the the, the plan was that and it's very much so working. Like very much so. So I'd love to educate people on this shit. Absolutely. But it's like Sometimes with people, I'm done talking. You can't express, you can't expect me to be the change. Y'all need to get your shit right. Yeah. And And, you gotta, some people don't want to hear it. And certain people, they need to hear from a certain element to to make it hit, you know? Um, Like one thing I always took from from Malcolm X, from El Hajj, El Malik Shabazz, especially once he came back from Mecca, and, and uh, it's a great book, man. I have this book. It's called The Last Year of Malcolm X. It's, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a lot of his life that you don't really hear about, you know? Right. And that's, he, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't change his whole approach or nothing, but he had modified it to a way that I think actually made him more dangerous to the establishment than he was before. Mm. But anyway, one thing he said that I always took to heart was like, he was like he's like, yo, white, white people, righteous white people. You, you, you got to talk to your people about this. They, they hear it from me. They hear it from my people. They're just going to whatever. Get You try to, you know, so I spent a lot of my time in my life, if I ran into those folks, you know, having these conversations. And when I was young, it was mostly me being angry and fighting with them. And I probably didn't get anywhere with them, you know, because I was just hot-headed and young. And then you get a little older, you get a little wiser, you try to... It gets to the point where you get yourself in trouble and start fucking you with your growth. And that's but, what happened with me. Same yeah. shit. I'll just fight whoever, you know. But yeah. at one point, it's like, mm, you ain't worth it unless you really ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, go on, go on. Like, uh, so so Aziz sent me his new, uh, is it an album or an EP? It's an album. That's an album, right? It's like nine, ten tracks. Um, uh, he sent it to me last night, and I, I, I was zoning out to it pretty hard. And... Uh, you know, like I know, I know you're an artist. I've, I've known for a while that you've been doing production, right? Like, and 
producing for like an artist like Bia, uh, or who's a, a, a female artist from Boston, who I met years ago too. Uh, I'm, I don't know, she came up, she showed me some respect. This is a long time ago, I gave it back to her. And she's more like a, I don't know, not to say like a pop artist, but she, you know what I'm saying? She, and I mean that in a good way. She's got this mainstream appeal thing, right? And, and then I'm, I'm wondering, what's, what's this dude's project gonna sound like? Uh, and not just the sonic quality, but content-wise too. I, I, was, I was very much digging where you, where you came from. Like, I'm an I'm a older dude and I'm a harsher critic, maybe. Um, so to really like dig some shit, like honestly, and not have to front, is, is a blessing for me. It's fun to be like, wow, I actually fucking like this shit. Man. So a dude like yourself, you're obviously a pretty sharp motherfucker, dude. Like I, I know, I see that you're out and about doing some of the same things I am, and and I see it in your actions, and then and then your music, your music that you produced, and and it's all your rhymes and shit, and then you know you do other production and stuff. How like, how does it feel as an artist to to do something that's you know what what you do, your rhymes, your production, the stuff you speak about, and then produce for other artists that maybe sonically or content-wise aren't on, uh, on the same page at that time. Like, do you ever catch flag? Do people question you? Do you ever question yourself? Nah, because anyone who knows me, like, I be really making all types of shit. Like, I got multiple albums, you know what I mean? And I just happen to be the joint. I'm like, I'm gonna put my second, that, that, that real shit to him first. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I also got other shit. So I've been in, in an internal struggle with my styles, literally, because I got, I feel like I'm nice at but all. But you're an artist though, bro. Why wouldn't you want to spread your wings, man? Exactly. So I got Afrobeat shit. I got house shit. I got uh, yeah, like I like reggae that. type shit. I like I'm that. Thinking, oh. You know what I mean? So I got all that. So with that in the pocket and also making some trap shit and me, you know what I mean? Always around niggas who's, yeah. that, that's what we listen to. Yeah. So it was, never, it was never something like, it was a shocker, like me coming out with joints that had triplets on it. You know what I mean? I had some shit. I mean, it was never a shocker like that. So, me mixing worlds is so beautiful. Like I'm, I'm very happy now. Like how, because I wasn't taking production serious until a year, year ago. Yeah, I uh, when I met you, I only knew that you were an MC. I didn't know that you were an engineer nor a producer. I wasn't. Oh, so this is all new, Bruh, I got nice pretty quick. Like I've been working on. Logic, so I've known the ins and outs of that in terms of recording myself, right? And that's since like 2010. So, so I think that helped. You, you started yeah. to record yourself, right? Exactly. And so that's what The chair is squeaky as shit, bro. I'm sorry, dog. I sorry. can't even hear that shit. I don't even hear you. Shit, he's oil. But yeah, yep. my man. But yeah, that shit translated to Pro Tools, you know what I'm saying? And also, we have a studio in North Hollywood that we built. And we came out here. Who's we? Just a, like, me, my man, O, Oliver, um, and Bruno. And also, like, we came out here in, initially in 2016. And I went back home and eventually, I went for nine months I was here. But that, that was a tougher period. Like, we didn't have no infrastructure. There wasn't a lot of Boston cats out here. And, like, at that point, Bia was in her deal with RCA still trying to, we was trying to get the fuck off that shit, you feel me? And it, and they wasn't treating her right, even though she had all types of shit going, right? What's your connection with her, just as a producer for her or what? Nah, we was just homies first. We knew her, her man at the time. And we was in Six View Studios in Quincy. Oh, 
I know. So we, we would link there. We'd, we'd be at clubs together, just be out and about, you know. Shout out to Bia. She's definitely doing a thing and uh oh, she's like super good for her, man. And it's dope for you to be to be knocking out joints with her. That's great, man. So props to both of you on that tip. Yeah, she's a superstar, bro. She's a superstar. So, yeah, man. Like a year ago, basically, actually a year and a half, I moved back out here last um February. And um since then we I just been in the lab, like, and it got to the point we were at Kyle's crib and it was like some writing Kyle, do I know Kyle? Uh, it's super duper Kyle, that kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you heard him, but he had like this little camp going or whatever. So my man Lil Rich, he's from Lowell, who's a fucking beast, producer, artist, engineer, all that, like dumb nice, great. And uh this motherfucker was over there. We and, and he had a bunch of beats for him, right? And I had brought some beats too, but I wasn't really the focus. Like I ain't really, I just wanted to get something going on the writing tip. Um, so the second day after he took a bunch of Rich's beat, beats, they was like, yo, you should come back with some beats. My man, O and Rich. So the next day I was like, you right, I'm tripping. What the fuck am I doing? I'm around all types of artists all the time. And I love to kind of direct and show my ear because in my ear, I feel it's different. So I want to, get on that that time and eventually I made like I made like eight beats that night Damn. came back it was cool but regardless it just got me on a wild path so at that point started learning pro tools um and me and Bia just started getting in and I just started recording there and at one point I started playing beats for her, you know what I mean started making beats for her, and we we made a couple heaters yeah. and now four of those is about to be on this next album Hell yeah. And one drops. It's called Cover Girl. That shit. Yeah, that's the joint. I've seen that out there, man. So good. Yeah, out there. That's 34 on Urban Radio right now. Woo. Guys, dog. Shit going crazy. So, and she dropped. Uh, it, it's been a crazy year, you know what I mean? Because she put out a record. It's called Best on Earth with Russ. And Rihanna co signed her at that time. Yeah, and I've seen that, man. That's like they big, even fucking where it's just 2016. It's a big look. Bro, not not just like a story, you know what I'm saying? Like a whole post saying it's her favorite song and did a walkthrough and tagged her, all types of shit. So That's that shit really shit. Shit. You can't shit pay for that kind of shit. You can't buy that with a publicist. Yeah. Uh, it's, you yeah. Almost, I threw my phone, I seen that shit. Like, yeah, did yeah. Did it break? No, 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 it's good. Good, good, good. You don't want to do that. Shit is durable. But yeah, like it's been a wild year. So now we now we got this album coming after Cover Girl. We just did some shit with Lil John. What? Lil John? Bro, yes. Active? I didn't know if he was still active. I'm in my own little snake man world a lot of times. Nah, so he been, okay. he been coming back with it. Like, so she just done some I don't know this too much, but she just did some shit we recorded for his album. So after that, we was like, yo, we got some shit for you. And it's gonna be like a very ill surprise like intro for her album it's fire i'm gonna i'm gonna send it to you yeah um, don't worry you safe you safe i already know i already know yeah. um so yeah we just cooking man and i'm working with a couple other artists too uh my man jazz cartier my man rob stone uh my man bouvet my dog Lil rich so we've been just going you know what i mean going crazy and, you, I, this is like a stupid question um Cause you know, like, any, I, I kind of already know the answer. Like whenever you ask somebody who's multifaceted with music, what they like best, 
They say they like all, all of it. But honestly, is there one of those things like, cause you know, the production came later. Mm-hmm. Is that more kind of a passion right now because it's fresh and new? Or are you still rooted in, in the, the rhyming and, and writing? I'm rooted in rhyming and writing always. Like I started out in poetry, like at age nine, like going- yeah, there you go. High school to high school, like doing deaf poetry. Like that's when I started. I'm never gonna, that's never gonna leave you. You feel me? So with that, I feel like it's all intertwined and I'm very much improving my writing with my production. Yeah. So the fact that I can make the whole better sound now is empowering. It's like, damn, I'm feeling very confident about everything I make. And it's not like, oh, I wish I could tweak this, tweak that. Or I wish I could extend this, extend that. Or I got to pay X, Y, Z per hour. You know what I mean? Like, cut out, you cut a lot of those people out. Out, that's out. Because at one point, my shit got stagnant with my artistry. So I'm like, yo, I'm because my buzz, I had a buzz. I was opening for whoever came to Boston. No, I remember, I remember that. Yeah, whoever coming through, boom. But it's to the point, like the blog era did not translate to the streaming with everybody. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's always errors. They kind of, ha- I, I was part of the blog era and it served me well for a long time. And then coincidentally, kind of when I chose to, I hated the music industry and chose to go elsewhere, that's when it transitioned uh, into the streaming era. You know, right. and I wonder how I would have, if I stayed, how I would have transitioned into that. Yeah, right, exactly. Like none of my shit really is on streaming from there. What do you, what do you put it out on? I Why don't you should, I was listening to your shit on a fucking thing on uh, Spotify. Yeah, but none of my old, that was like, I'm talking about, I had like four mixtapes before that. So oh, yeah, I, yeah. like none of those did I put up when it, it started getting popping, you feel me? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, all right, I don't even want to do that. I might just do like a little compilation of my favorite ones. In camp that shit, make that go, um, like the Mark Kami route and just fucking slang like $50 tapes of vinyl and shit. That ass. Yeah, I mean, I. I could like I I put out a a book I had a book published this year, and uh, it's great. But you know it's it's similar to like and I I, dude I spent so much time in the music industry with sick music lawyers and reading contracts and having my lawyer go over it. Never got jerked and all that shit. And I was like, yeah, I'm smart, you know, whatever. And then I get this book thing and I I do this publishing deal, and I'm like, I'm selling all these books, but how come I'm getting this? And they're like, well, when it goes through these distributors you only make this much. And if it goes through these ones, so all the biggest ones like Amazon, which is where everyone buys books, I'm only, I'm getting the smallest percentage. So the place where most people buy my books, I'm getting the least money. And I'm like, well, fuck. So I, I'm, I'm writing a follow-up right now. I'm like, maybe I just go like my own shit and, and go self-publish it. But then I'm going to have to be like hitting the post office and the UPS and mailing joints. And how am I going to take an L right there? At least when they do it, I just chill. I just, you know, right. I read it. Depending on volume. Yeah. You know, it yeah. may be worthwhile. You know yeah, what I mean? no, that's what I've been that, thinking. That dividends is right. Bro, Shit. I should have had a lot. If I sold it myself, I would have a, a lot more money. The, the royalties I'm getting on this book is like what you hear horror stories of rappers in the 90s getting, you know? like yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about streaming right now. Like, I got some. Oh, streaming is terrible, bro. It's like, damn, bro. Damn. It's really terrible. <laughs> uh, it's it's like, it's for me, like, doing podcasts and shit, I don't get paid per stream and you can give advertisement money, advertisement money. So it don't really matter, but as a musician, man, I mean, I do, I stream music. And and when when artists I really love, indie artists come out with a project, I cop that shit. Even if I end up streaming it instead, I still cop it just to show that love and support the money. But dude, like 
don't matter how many times you stream it, like you ain't getting shit. And I know Spotify is one of the worst. Title's one of the worst. I think like, I mean, I think fucking Bandcamp is, is, is just sales. That ain't streaming. And that's a way where artists can kind of cut out the middleman. But yo, streaming is like, it's easy for the masses. We all love it. And you can have everything you want right there on your phone. Hey, one time. But dog, yeah, you're getting like destroyed, raped. It's so fucking foul how they do it, man, you know? And, and it's such a norm now to try to tell people, buy this album, buy my fucking project. It's such a crazy thing. Like, I'm just going to go on Spotify or, 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 or Tidal or Apple Music. Popping unless they want to outwardly support you. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think like, uh, when I started making music and I was, I was traveling, I was touring, playing shows, before the streaming, yeah, we had like CDs were getting sold and vinyl even. I, I had vinyl we're getting sold in like stores and in, in online stores as well. But the big move would be like, yeah, you play a show, you might get paid a couple hundred bucks. But if you do dope and say there's 500 people in there and you slang, I'm, I'm talking minimally like 20 CDs and 10 t-shirts, that's some good money on top of your payment. But then it comes to an era where like, I don't know if you can slang that, you can slang merch, you can slang t-shirts, hats, gear, hoodies. But like slanging CDs, no way. So you got to go back maybe to the, the fancy vinyl because now vinyl's a collecting thing. And you can charge X amount yeah, for limited I think people still want something tangible. Yeah, and vinyl is one of those things that like, no one's really like putting their CD collection up on a wall. Cassette tapes, sure. Yeah. Vinyl, definitely. I got mad. Vinyls, go throw them on the show, show them off. Yeah. That's what my, my biggest accomplishment personally in music, and I have actually technically bigger ones, is just putting out a bunch of vinyl. That made me feel good. Selling vinyl, having it still like that. I but love records. They hold that. They keep that with them, and it's for a long time. Yeah, man. And it's beautiful. It's wild though. Like selling music now is tough, and 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 so like you know artists rely so much on live show shit, and then going back to what we were talking about earlier, live music taking a big fucking L with this this coronavirus shit for for musicians and shit. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, yeah, like you can promote your shit on Bandcamp or your personal website, and people come and buy it, but you don't have you don't have the, the the platform of playing those shows and making that money right now. That's a big hit, man. It sucks. It hurts. Yeah, like we got this record out right now. We can't go to no clubs. We're yeah, you can't. You can't even. Yeah, you can't. Because I know what it's like to go on those record promo runs where you're going to the club. Uh -huh. that the radio DJ of that city plays it, and then he drops it in the club a couple of times. Man. You can't even do that, man. You can't That's do that, and this is the club record. And it's like, bro, we would have been on the tour with Russ right now. It would have been big, big arenas. Uh, you know what I mean? Like Red Rocks type shit. Yeah, dude, I, dude, I've been, I've worked Red Rocks mad times for artists and shit. Yeah. I, I, have some I have a crazy Red Rocks story, man. Like, yeah. uh, it's like, uh, it's a venue, you know, the backstage where the dressing rooms are and shit. Upstairs is like more dressing room, bathrooms for the bands and artists. And after the show, when the fans leave, you know, and your crew and shit, you know, with the use of artists and bands, you know, girls are coming back and, you know, we got all the shit on the tour bus and you're hanging out. But the move is always to go to the dressing rooms and shit backstage, you know, and there's little whatever rooms. And, and uh, the Red Rocks backstage looks over like the, the stage. So some of the crew is still like loading out, carrying equipment. My job was done, but dudes are still busting their ass, taking these, these cases of equipment down like a, a, basically an incline hill to the trucks working real hard right right and i'm up there like blazing out some fucking chick uh i was trying to get mushrooms from you know backstage looking down while all my my crew is like working and i'm just like blazing out this shorty 
and then uh, and then bounce into the next state. And um, and I didn't get the mushrooms, but I got some pussy. So it's like, <laughs> what are you gonna do? I just wanted honestly, it started. I just wanted mushrooms to eat at Red Rocks for the show. All the shows I'd done there, yeah, so eat them, and she couldn't come through with that, but she came through with something else. So you know, all right, hey, it get. worked out. That shit worked out. Life balances itself in funny ways, but I feel you, man. And, and you know, I have a big record, and it, it's doing good. I'm, and I just imagine what more it would be doing if you had the normal uh, channels to push it right now. Fuck. Right. Who knows? But it's not just us, so it's like whatever. Yeah, everybody in the same. And I, on that tour, my man Benny was going to be on that tour too, right? Yep. Benny's been on like my radio show with DJ Beans and. Uh, we, you know, all the Griselda uh, dudes on our show a bunch of times, and, and I fuck with those dudes hard, and, and they're just ill, real cats and shit, and you know, like just you know, when I when I meet artists, obviously it was different when I was like doing music with them, but when I meet artists on like my radio show and I meet them, for some reason I, you know, you can always kind of even with a person, you can kind of tell what they're like when you meet them, and, and if you've been listening to this dude or these people for a while. You have an idea what they're gonna be like, and you kind of hope they live up to it in some ways. And it's very yeah. disappointing when they don't. I don't know if you've ever met. That's why they say don't meet your idols. Not the yeah. my idol per se, but he's a real ass dude. Like I seen it in his face, he, and you can listen to his rhymes. None of that shit is fake. And and, and his nah, yeah, it's, with certain artists, I love it. like detail. It's a detail, bro. Details, dog. You can't you can't come up with that shit just trying to. That's why I texted you that quote of your lyric last night. Exactly. When I say whatever, but it's like, yeah, I know, I know details, and when I hear them, and and that's what you know breathes the authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it has to be that. Like, if you don't got details, if you ain't get vulnerable at all, what can they attach to? Dog, you know what I mean? Like, it's gonna be really quiet for you. So, Brant Theater is is the is the new project. What is Brant Theater? That's a uh, $2 movie theater that was in Nashville. It doesn't exist anymore, but... Um, I mean, I figured it was like some kind of theater of some sort. Yeah, $2, so they would play movies that were like, like on VHS. Like, they were already out. I like that shit. Yeah. And my, my whole family would go. be cool. But I got a song called $2 Movies that kind of describe like, just like a day, you know, trip when I was a kid. Nashville, like, uh, it's funny, man, like, uh, for people maybe outside of New England, I think when you think of New England, you think of, you think of Boston, maybe Providence and Hartford and New Haven, you know? Right, right, maybe, right. Maybe Springfield or Worcester. Maybe. And being, you know, being from Boston, like, I know New Hampshire. I used to go buy liquor there when I was underage on Sundays. Before right. We got, you know, or or fight, whatever, going to fucking Hampton Beach or whatever. And then I know Nashville. I had a cousin, He he's actually from New York. But he met some chick from out there and he was living in Nashville for a while. And uh, I go out, you know, Nashville. I used to play shows out in Nashville. You know, I go play shows in, and in Seabrook too, go play shows out there. Cause it's not far from Boston. You get a lot of the, you know, cats from Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Nashville was, uh, you know, it, it, like a lot of New England, got hit hard from uh, industry leaving, you know, like, like, like factories closing down. Yeah. Textile. And then you, yeah, textile shit, just like a lot of central Massachusetts, it was the same. Homer Mac Valley, Manchester, Nashville, Lowell, Lawrence. And then you, you so, put, all the river videos, uh, city. You put in like, you know, um, opioid shit coming through hard. And, uh, and you know, it, it got rough in Nashville, man. And I feel like a lot of people 
wouldn't picture that when they think of New Hampshire. That's also a lot of people picture New Hampshire, they think of just real uh, kind of right-wingy white people in, out of all of New England, that's like the right-wingy place. Like for the most part, like that's the thing. It is like for the most part. Yeah. But it had just pockets of like little enclaves, you know what I'm saying? And it's a lot of uh, deeply racist shit. You know oh, what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. that's not even like, it's valid. Like, like, people say it's valid. Like, like when they say Boston racist, they right. Like, oh hell yeah, I grew up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how people can defend that. You know what I'm saying? Of course, it's racist. Very. Like, it just look at this. Look at where people go when they're tourists. They don't even know black people exist. It's like San Francisco. Like, they you, you only it's Hunters Point, Tenderloin. And uh, it's not. It, it, it was a, there's a very rich history there that got eradicated uh, through gentrification and, and a lot of other um, elements of society, but yeah. 100%. Yo, do you ever, this movie that came out this past year, The Last Black Man in San Francisco? Yes, that's what, I just watched it two weeks ago. How, that's how the beautiful is that movie, ever. man? Visually, it's stunning, but it's- I'm gonna be real with you, it exceeded my expectations. See? Like, I, I love San Francisco. Like, I go there and make music with my man Decap, because Decap from Nashville, I don't know if you know that guy, he's a fucking issue. The name sounds mad familiar. We, but... we, go, we go up there, Frisco, I've been up there, all types of reasons, you know what I mean? Whatever excuse I got. I'm been, go. I've been going there since I was in high school, man. My, my, yeah. Both my parents used to live there, but not when they were together. My father used to, him and a UMass professor used to manufacture acid out in San Francisco in the 60s and 70s and hang out with all those like crazy rock and roll dudes out there. Right. So, but I used to want to live there back in the day. Oh uh, yeah. Now I went to Oakland too when I was like 14 and my cousin lived in uh, on West MacArthur and she would braid hair out of her apartment. And um, that's, I went there for like a month at a time and like that shit really made me want to, like at one point I'm like, I got to come back here. So yeah. like 10 years later, I started going back to the Bay a lot. And, yeah. um, just seeing like, cause I would, I, that's the type of city you just drive through, smoke, make yeah. it plays, and I'm not too pressed on going out. You know what I mean? I'm creating shit, I'm making bread up there. That's really like, it's good up there. So you go and you look at it and you study, cause I'm very much so into history and into uh, uh, just studying maps, you know? Yeah. I, I like really knowing like our t where we at in the timeline of history and like where shit is. So when I go through Frisco and then I, I'm looking for content on it, I finally seen Last Black Man in San Francisco up there. So I'm like, I only seen the trailer though for the longest. It was like since 2016. And then finally I'm like, I'm thinking it's a documentary kind of shit. Bruh, that shit, as soon as it opened, yeah. The music too. Yeah, and the, it's uh, like photography shots, man, the visual. And I mean, when I seen the movie trailer come out, I already knew what it was about because I was very hip to the changes that San Francisco has experienced in the last 20 to 30 years. Yeah, yeah. And when I saw the title, I, I already knew what it was about. And so I was like, I want to see this because I, I was there through a lot of the changes. I still go back there a few times a year for work and I know how different it is. I wanted to see that movie, and it was in a good way, exactly what I thought it was going to be like content-wise. But yep. like you said exceeded my expectations in terms of the visuals. The, the directing was crazy. The acting dude, the what's his name, Jonathan Jones, or uh, the fucking I'm blanking on the the main character's name. Cool. He's a Spike Lee movie too. I'm I'm fucking Jimmy, up. Jimmy Rob, Jimmy. Uh, 
Jimmy, ah, dude, I've done a lot of drugs and I've had a few. Weed pals. I, I don't shit. Dude. I wish my fucking intern was here. He'd look it up. But my point is, like you said, it's um, it 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 blows your mind in terms of, of being better than what you thought, and it tells a story. I feel like a lot of people don't know exist about that city, and there's a lot of cities in America like that. Uh, we you you don't know like that black people might live in the city and then you take a city like chicago which i think people all people know there's a, a big black population but chicago is such a big city landmass wise it is you know yeah i know boston's segregated i grew up there right a city like chicago the, the segregation is right. way crazier because it's so big you could be in one area of the city and you have one of the highest violent crime rates in all america and you have no idea because you are so far away. You're not gonna run into anybody from a different neighborhood. You're not gonna literally exactly. get steps, you're there. Even in LA, bro, when I came to LA, right? LA, and I've been coming here for years too. I got family, LA, again, very big city, right? There's exactly. black people that These never seen and there's white people in the valley that never seen a black person. And I'm I'm living in the hood where my family's from and they're, you know, they're, they're mixed and shit. I'm out there and people are looking at me like, whoa like either this dude's from like long beach and he's on that other shit because i got tattoos or they're right. like this guy's got to be a crackhead why is he around here but where right. i come from uh you know yeah you might be in like uh, charlestown south boston or then in like jp where i grew up or other places it's not as uncommon but in certain uh, cities exactly. maybe, i feel that i feel it's that so, so different you know i feel that i feel that it's 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 weird in in i don't know different places you know um yeah, I, I I guess just going back to the whole New Hampshire thing, like New Hampshire is is especially Nashville is is uh it's it's gotten rough, man, in in the last certain amount of years, you know, like a lot of towns yeah. in England, man. Yeah, and it's all relative, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's all relative because like, thank God it's not like a high murder rate, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I mean, like every city has problems, you know, like mm -hmm. so I I don't know. It's still a, a nice spot. It's still a nice spot. Yeah, of course. But yeah. I will say, like, there's more shit going on. There's the underworld in every city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Manchester. Go to Manchester, you go, you go to Lawrence. Lawrence is another planet. I'm in Lawrence all the time. Most of my homies is from Lawrence. That's my bro's that's got me. mad family from Lawrence. She's Dominican from, like, the Heights in New York, but she got mad family in Lawrence and Haverhill. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, but most of my homies Dominican. And, um... Like, it's that's also interesting too, you know, dealing with everything that's going on. Cause I'll tell like, for instance, like it's different conversations like that I have with this. Like I have a white mother, first off, who rides for us and rides for the cause since the beginning, harder than most period. Been doing- Is she uh, born in Germany? Or she yeah, she came, she came, yeah, so she was born in Germany. Okay, she so she's German, German, she ain't like German. 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 Born in Germany, she came to America when she was one year old, went to Georgia, and then went to Clarksville, Tennessee until she was four. For a German, like for any immigrant, even from Europe, to go to the South is a weird thing. Usually but end up she only went until she's four years old. And then she went to DC and took a boat with her grandmother back to Germany until she and she was in Germany until she well, was yo, she could have flown. She took the boat back. This was a while ago. But yo, but she can't be that old. I mean, Not that old, but she literally took a boat. Yeah, I mean, my grandparents came over here on a boat, but that was their grandparents. They're older. Right, know? right, right. Uh, it was it's crazy, man. But yeah, she came back here when she was like 21. 
uh she had my sister she was born there and um, yeah and um and my father came here when he was it's about the same age you know and they they met in nashua well so wait though so your senegalese pops and your german moms met in nashua new hampshire yeah yep damn that's that's a that's a wild statement yeah and it, and the thing about it is my pops came here kind of like as a luck of the draw because he was in high school and at that point he had um i think it was either high school or college damn i need to make sure i know but either one at the end of the year he had, at the beginning he had entered a like a contest for a program that would send 50 students to america and one for each state and he kind of forgot about it boom 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 the end of the year check the list in the hall and he's like yo they assigned him to new hampshire so he went and he went to new hampshire and he was initially like in the sticks for like a couple months at a camp just coaching soccer and um and then he went to nashville and was working at a sheraton just dishwashing and at that point he was gonna just go back to senegal and he had um What's it called? He Going away from there or what? He well, he just, yeah, he wasn't thinking long term. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it wasn't, he had a going away party and all that. And then he met my mom at the going away party. Woo, my, that's romantic, dog. Crazy. Very so, shit, bro. Right. So they ended up because my father, after they started dating, because he just stayed, he, he ended up going to New Jersey, Jersey City, and they had to decide if we were gonna live in Jersey City or in Nashville. And what they decided that I wasn't even alive at that time. Though. If you could have, if Aziz could have like came back in time and dictated, where would you have picked? Nashville because, bro, like anytime anybody has- Jersey asks, City, that's why I'm saying, bro. I think- Yeah, well, the main thing is like, in any reverse of time with decision-making, that's risky because you don't know how things are gonna affect other things down the line. Relationships maybe. If I never met certain people, if I wasn't in Boston at that time, if I wasn't doing certain things, you know what I mean? Like who the fuck knows how that affects other shit. So you can't act like everything's just gonna stay the same because you made that decision. You feel me? So I had to, I'd have to go with New Hampshire. Have you been in Jersey? Even though it would be, it would be. Yeah, my brother used to live in Jersey City, yeah. and he lived in West New York, New Jersey too. I lived in Jersey City in a near Kennedy Square, um, and Kennedy Boulevard, and uh, one of my Irish uncles is also from there too. And I, well, I I didn't like it. Well, at least the area where I live was terrible. You smell right. like sewer in the streets. And uh, I grew up in, I grew up in the Caribbean before I even moved to America, so right. I knew what the uh, what like the, the, the aroma the, of trash of sewage. Type, yeah, I, I, like, you, I was used to that like, smell, and then in America, I've not smelled it in so long. And then I'm just yeah. seeing, like, God damn, dude. And, nah, uh, and especially like back then, it was way worse. But Jersey does have certain parts of New York. Oh yeah, and even blocks out here, you go to certain blocks, it's just rancid. Oh, dog, I was surfing today in Manhattan Beach, and I'm driving home, and you got to kind of. I mean, it's all kind of one. You go Manhattan Beach becomes El Segundo, 
uh, and it, you got those power plants and these sewage plants and it stinks like shit. And I'm driving the car, I'm thinking my girl's farting. I'm like looking at her like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and we're on the beach. We're, we just left, we're not even half a mile away from a very rich fucking area beachfront property you got these smokestacks and oil refineries and sewage plants and it's stanking up the fucking air you know what i mean what kind of like yeah i don't know that shit fucks me up too man i hate pollution i hate that shit and it's, it's, you know about a uh, jersey city though uh you know sorry there's two facts i'm gonna be like a boring jake the snake little history like uh sociology lesson so Cambridge, Mass, which is across the bridge from my hometown, is one of is is the most diverse city in uh, New England and one of the most diverse cities they say in America, right? Which is the most different ethnicities, religious backgrounds, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The most diverse city in the East Coast is actually Jersey City. It has the most different ethnicities of all kinds, from all it's over, true. like Asia, Africa, Europe, wherever. Uh, and I did like that about it. I just didn't like. Uh, at least where I live, they just I didn't it's like neglected, bro. Like that's a, that's what a lot of hoods. That's what they make. Like it's who wants? Come up a little now, close to the city, close to the But yeah, I mean, but that's that's everywhere, man. You know, like out here. How come? So when I was doing my music thing in Boston, I hit a, a glass ceiling at a certain point, and I need to expand, right? I moved to New York City. I fired my manager in Boston. I, I linked it with a manager in new york city that had a lot of connects that helped get me touring and in magazines and all this shit i went right. to new york because it was a, a hub of of music industry but it was still close to home i could bounce back home handle business see people and still maintain like you know they tell artists it's important to have your hometown buzz and this and that whatever right. i could still come back to boston i could go to massachusetts rhode island connecticut whatever maine play a show there but i'm in new york doing fucking industry shit and I could bounce to Philly, whatever. Right. And then I moved home for like a year and a half and then I came to LA, but I didn't come to LA to do music. I came here to do other entertainment shit. Why did you come jump all the way from New England to Los Angeles? And like, did, you, did New York ever come across your radar as an option or did you know it was here you wanted to be? Um, well, I was in Waltham at the time when mm -hmm. I made the first jump. I was in Waltham for like six years. And at that time, I had been in New York, a bunch. My brother had lived there already. My my brother's uh, BM is from there. Both his BMs from New York. So I would be in New York a lot. <coughs> so I kind of knew what where my temperature was in terms of my, where my network was. So I would even skip New York. I'd be in Philly a lot recording, yeah. a lot. I'd take a boat bus and I'd be straight to Philly. Oh, so oh, for God. me and my... And I know it was bad. No, I, got, my, I was on the phone wall like a motherfucker, like back in the day. Oh, that shit's quite dangerous. Oh, yeah. shit's <laughs> You're telling me the shit I've seen and did on the phone wall, aside from it right. screaming all the time. But yeah, go on. Yeah, man. I, I think the reason I'm out here is one, I didn't know the landscape. Like, I really like. Like I'm the type, I'm pretty simple. You feel me? Like I just need some butt and I want to see some new shit. Like that's my ideal vacation. I want to see something new. I want to look at different type of trees. I want to see a different type of landscape. Yeah. That's my number one. So, and then we came out here in like 2015 and this is when we was booming. You feel me? We, had, we was just spending money going crazy yeah. and ended up like spending seven days in LA 
in like West Hollywood, forced it, had like incredible time. You know what I mean? Spent too much bread. Yeah. We was out every single night, had tables every single night. You know what I mean? You know the vibes. And then went to Vegas, did the same shit, and just came back like, dog, we gotta move. Yeah. We gotta move. Like my homies who now, like Bruno and O, they both manage Bia. Okay. And, um, yeah, they, they, uh, they cast from back in the East Coast, New England area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm from Nashua, Milford. They're from Bedford, Manchester. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, yeah. And they, I've known since I'm 12. So. I mean, it's none of my business. I'm just curious. Are you all like New Hampshire connected or she's like Massachusetts? She's Boston. She's Boston. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's when yeah. I ran into her. Yeah, she's Boston. Um, but we've always been in Boston because that's like the center of New England. Yeah. You know, so we play basketball heavy and most of my homies were on the same basketball team since we were young. And we played like Boston Soldiers at the time. It was Bay State Magic, Boston Soldiers. And we were all either from New Hampshire, Boston or Lawrence. So like, that's why in New England, like people, I don't know what other places (laughs) like it, but there's so many cities close by that yeah. if you if you not driving, you're not getting like the most. And at one point we was we had the wheels, you know what I mean? So we going city to city, pulling up on whoever, throwing parties wherever. And it just took us getting a little bit older to be like, yo, I'm not trying to do this. I didn't have a job for years. I was just packed, XYZ. My brother. O was doing accounting and with all other shenanigans. And same with my man, Brew. He was doing work on cell phones and with the shenanigans. So it's like, bro, we ain't really, like the trajectory is cool, but not what we need to be. Like we really, we bright cats. And we also have a real influence over there. We would be all, like free reign. That's my click. Like I was about to ask you, cause I seen uh, just little parts of it peeking out. I was about to ask you what was on the forearms. Yeah, that's free. Free reign is what? Explain that for me. Free reign. That's what frame of mind. That's my team. That's basically like just a reminder, like, yo. Yeah. You got it, man. Think for yourself. Don't square out too early. Don't do shit and think there's a linear path for everybody. Don't look at the next man. It's free reign over mind and how you look at shit is perspective. And that's the main reminder of the day. Like, keep it in perspective. Yeah. And um, it's also just an entity, like it's me and the homies. So, like, it's a lot of us. And whenever we at the club, it's free reign. Like when we ever are out, it's free reign, and that's the life thing. So, that having that like bond, you know what I mean, going through the city. Also, it's like, yo, everybody knows that these different spots, man. Like, we need to like really turn this up and like magnify our talents because I think people are gonna fuck with it. You know what I mean? And we started linking on a different tip with different artists. We ended up linking with Bia. She ended up moving out to Boston, I mean, to LA permanently after we went. And bro, like, shit is just now really coming the fuck together. You know what I'm saying? Like my man Lil Rich, he produced on two different YG albums already. He produced for MGK. He's been just going crazy. And he got some shit coming with Anderson Pack. Um, so, Bro, it's shit is going, you know what I mean? Be it platinum. She already did shit with Ariana Grande, J Balvin, you know what I mean? Platinum. So it's like, bro, everybody is on some, 
some rise and shit. And we all kind of going at the same time, I feel like. And um, it's dope having a squad that's pretty much like self-sufficient. And that's why I wanted to learn more and more different things. Like I needed to not just be one I wanted to be in, in life, you gotta be of value. Like, like you gotta bring some shit. Besides the appetite, man, yeah. You gotta bring some shit with you. And, and either way, like, I just wanna, like, I like to make a whole sound bin. I love that feeling of like, I, I dictated that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know what I like to hear. I like a lot of atmospheric vibes. I like shit to hit. I like, you know what I mean? Like, just, I just know, I know. And I can't explain it to people all the time. So now that I can actually, it, like, translate it onto a beat, it's a ridiculous feeling. You know what I mean? I mean, one thing I definitely took away from, from the Brand Theater project was, like, it had a coach, he, he's some feel, you know what I'm saying? Like, you being the producer and the MC definitely gave it a, a feeling and i mean even if it wasn't your production but say it was one producer only I, i'm very firm in one producer one mc makes a solid cohesive sound but when it's the same person you know what i'm saying like you it, it definitely had a vibe it didn't feel like i don't know it didn't feel like this track was about this and this was like your street track your clothes yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it all flowed with continuity and like <clears throat> excuse me Pardon me. I got like four different beverages, bro. I don't know if you see my hands. I'm like, I got tentacles, man. I got a beer here. I got water. I got cognac. I, I'm, dude, I'm like all over. But anyway, good, we, good. you have like a, a sound that, that sounds fitting. And I remember when I was making music, especially when I was, I started making commercial records that were catching on and, you know, this shit. And I had a lot of people in my ears and I didn't really want to have projects that had the radio record the the girl record the street record yeah. the record I was like nah man I just want to make like like records that I like that that have a, a continuous yeah. flow my favorite albums are the ones that have a vibe I don't like listening to an album where I know I'm gonna skip three four records exactly you know? and, and that's really where I've been battling with um and that's where I think I executed with it I think yeah I do I think you did a very good job with it on that that project like I'm oh, not even like blowing smoke up the ass shit bro I wouldn't say shit I'm really good at like not lying per se, but not having, I could avoid, I could dance around the topic and be like, yeah, yeah whatever. If I'm giving any props, it's genuine. And I, I really felt it did have a cohesive vibe. Well, I appreciate that shit for real. I think actually, I think now in, in, in hip hop at least, is a time where there is a lot of projects coming out where the artist isn't trying to have X and Y and Z records. They're right. going like, fuck it, I'm gonna have this whole vibe for this record and you're gonna take it. Cause you don't need to have these- yeah, I've done this in different ways. You feel me? Like, I'm like, let me do it exactly how I wanna do it and not chip on it. Like, I don't, like with that, I really don't care what it did at all. I needed that to be a stamp on my journal. You feel me? Like I needed you that. yourself, right? Huh? You did the project for yourself initially, right? Yes, I really need, I looked at it, I was like, I need, for my catalog, for my legacy, I need to have this for people to remember me. Like, and I literally am looking like- the most important thing any artist does, I feel like. Yeah, I needed it to be a stamp in my journal, for real, like, and that's what I, I'm very, very proud of it. So, with that, like, I got all types of other shit, but this was, like, heartfelt, you know what I mean? Voicemails of 
know what I mean? All family members, my mother on there, my niece. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, ask, I didn't know. I figured that was like, you know, personal shit. Mm. I mean, uh, you can tell, I can tell when artists are just making records that have maybe a certain goal to the record. You know, it's good. They want it to appeal to somebody. And you can tell when an artist is making something that they just wanted to make. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, fuck it. They don't care. They just, they make it. And those are my favorite ones. You know, I, a lot of people, there's a, I feel like, tell me what you think about this. I feel like in hip hop, sometimes there's this culture of like clowning artists or certain people, if they don't, uh, if they don't subscribe to the same formula other artists do, right? Like, so take um, like an artist like Nas, right? Nas hasn't put out an album per se since 2012. He put out that EP, whatever. He puts them out when he wants, right? Or, or dudes like Jay Electronic, right? Like he was, you know, doing his thing, had a huge buzz. I was in New York when he was doing that. I opened for him, I seen it. And then he you know, gets signed to Rock Nation and then he kind of doesn't do things for a while. People start making clowning jokes. But I don't really need more from anybody. I just want quality from somebody. And I want the quality to be genuine because I'll play an album that I love forever and ever and ever for any genre. I don't need 10 albums a year. You give me one album from you for five years and I will still play it if it's really good and I feel it. You that's, know? that's me as a fan. That's how I do it too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have playlists that I have made since Spotify was created. You know what I mean? Since the time people come to my spot and I'd be like, yo, name a song. I got it. And they didn't know what the concept of streaming was. So I would type it in and they'd be shocked I got it. Like, I haven't changed certain playlists since then. So mm -hmm. I go back and revisit shit just to have that feeling of that year or that time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because music has to evoke a, a mood. And yeah. And it's got to, the best shit is going to bring you back to when you really first heard it or what the time period you replayed it and replayed it or the theme of what you was doing. You know what I mean? So it's absolutely powerful. Like, yeah. that's honestly for me, that's probably one of my favorite aspects about music is what you said. It, it provides a, an element of time travel. When you hear a song again that you maybe when you were 18 when it was out or, or you were in your, Maybe you were going through a crazy breakup with a chick or you were out kind of doing wild illegal shit and that was your theme music. Or you right. were young and stressing and it was hectic in the household or whatever. Or you were with your boys on a vacation, wilding out and, and partying. You, you get that visual, you get the smells, you get the sounds, you get the feels all from that song. It takes you right to that place. I love that, bro. I love that. Hard to match, bro. It and is. that's why like, it's a very selfless thing artistry like yeah. just giving up a piece of your, your, yourself to, for someone forever it is. they can judge it they can shit on it they can love it hate it they can talk about it do whatever they want with it but hopefully they fuck with it and you focus on the people who fuck with it <laughs> and <laughs> as an artist i think the, the 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 way to do it is i've learned in my time and not just from music from from all the art i've done even going up to writings you do it for yourself. You put it out there. So like you said, people can love it. They can shit on it. They can be confused by it. They can question it. They can be inspired by it. You don't know how they're going to take it. Art, art inspires all these different emotions. You know, you write it and you produce it for your own intentions. But how everyone else is going to absorb it is, is unknown at the time. 
exactly. you, you got to be vulnerable. You just got to be like, fuck it, I'm put it out there. And you yep. don't know how you're going to get praised. Like some people are going to praise you like you're the second coming. And some people are going to hate on you and they don't even know you from a hole in the wall. But that's yeah. what you do. You, you, you're vulnerable. You put your, your soul on the chopping block. But you do it because you have to. You can't not do it, you know? And I just been this way. Like, outspoken. And I feel like I really got something to say. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm going to keep doing it. Whether it's yeah. <laughs> whatever people's standard of success is or not. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. You Yo, true artists are, are always producing art. Don't matter what it's for people that only were doing things when they were making money or getting a buzz and they stopped they weren't in it as an artist they were in it for gratification of some kind satisfaction attention uh a rush if you will being on stage is a rush like you know whatever um right. but to continuously create that's something you can't stop it's in your it's in your heart it's in your blood man 100 percent, bro aziz tell everybody uh where they can check out any of your projects or anything you want to plug shit you produce for other people uh first off aziz is spelled a-z-i-z um aziz the shape you can look that up you feel me i produce for via um i just dropped that album that's under aziz it's called brand theater good album yes sir thank you it's b-r-a-n-d-t theater um so that's that's the last shit I dropped. I'm really fucking with it. I might actually re-release it. Um, but yeah, check out Bia. Uh, check out Cover Girl. Look out for her album that's coming out soon. I did half of the joint. Um, and then check out my man Lil Rich. Check out all the homies, you feel me? But we just gonna keep going crazy. If you wanna follow me on whatever the fuck it is, Aziz the Shape. <laughs> that's Shakespeare, that's my father's name. That's all that. Break that down. Break that down. Um, so shake. At one point, I was just Aziz. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I need to kind of separate. As I met you, that's what it was. Yeah, Aziz is a common name. You feel me? So I just wanted to separate it a little bit. Um. So my father's name one is Shake. Is his first name? Yes, but it's actually pronounced Shach with a sound. It's a little gutter. It's a guttural sound. Yeah. that Americans can never pronounce. Yeah. So this went by shape since the, literally the 70s. Uh, and, uh, dope name. Yeah, and um, so on top of that, I'm writing Shakespeare, you feel me? And, yeah. with, <laughs> and with the beats, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shake shit the fuck up. So yeah, okay. that's how I was like, yeah, Aziz the shake, and it just sounded like an entity to me. You know what I mean? I like I like the, it, Jake the Snake and just hearing the words that rhyme with it. Like shake. All right, all right, all right. That's a stupid correlation, but for me, it made me just kind of like fuck with you even more because I knew you was just Aziz, and I started seeing that on your handles. I was like, ah, ah, I like that. I dig it. You know. So, Thank you, bro. Yeah, man, I can dig it. Yo, how many L? Were you Woods? Were you smoking Woods? Yeah. Uh, yeah, bro. I'm from Mass. I'm from Boston. Like Woods was the norm. I ain't knocking you, dog. It's all goody. It's all I got attacked the other day. I was in the one smoking woods. You got to <laughs> Oh, brother! So why did you get crucified? <laughs> nah, so much of raw paper, fucking. It was crazy. I was on one of them bike rides and uh, like the one of them bike rides. What I don't know about. But like that. I, I bike a lot and cool. But this bike ride is different. Like it, we did it went like hundreds of people, 
uh, from Hollywood to Venice Beach and back. My man Tori, Tori uh, Lamont Tori organized it. Uh, so this nigga ended up bringing everyone out. It was fire. Again. Usher was out there. Trey Songz out there. Terrell Owens out there biking. You feel me? Okay. Yeah. We ended up going fucking there. What was my point again? You saw, we talked about backwards and how dudes was coming at you. Yeah, so we started on the way. And as I'm just riding, I'm talking to one of the people up front. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, these backwards, they get me, but I'm still killing niggas, you know what I'm saying? Because I was in front of the pack the whole time. Oh, you, were you riding your wind was was down? Yeah, I'm, I'm still good, though. Like, let's go. Yeah. And one um, lady popped up on the side of me. It was like a movie, bro. She was preaching to me. Oh, it was about, like a woman, like, trying to, you know, coming at you, like, why are you destroying your lungs? Your yeah, she was like that. And, and um, she's like, tobacco owners, uh, the industry is like extension of the slave trade. I'm like, yeah. I... I agree with her. You feel yeah. me? Like, and in the moment, is I'm biking. We going fast. What can I like? We were going. It's not a conversation. She was yelling it though. Like, hey, hey, just so you know, young man. Not nah, beyond that, like close. You feel me? And like, look at me. Then nah, I'm like, yo, be careful. Yeah, I'm like, yo, be careful. But she was like yelling it. And um, I, what could I do in that situation to convince you? Like, I'm gonna just go and agree with you. Like. Just throw that, throw it out. Just throw that. Yeah, out. I'm like, you right. I just said, yeah, you right. Nah, I mean, I, I sped up. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right, y'all. This episode of the Damaged Goods podcast was brought to you by Elite Botanicals. Elite Botanicals is originally the CBD division of Elite Cannabis. If you guys have heard me talk about them, you know this is my favorite CBD product out there. The only one that truly works. I swear by it. That's why I'm endorsing them, not for any other reason. And now they're back with their new line for your little pets, Whole Pet CBD. They are one of the first companies farming high CBD cannabis under industrial hemp rigs. They've been working with CBD since 2013 with one of the first licensees in Colorado. Also, they've been working with Colorado State University since 2016 on their canine research study with CBD. So they know what they're doing. Their focus is providing farm-to-table product that uses the best ingredients possible, ultra-refined, distilled, full-spectrum CBD oil at high potency for reasonable pricing. That's the problem. Most of these other guys are overpriced for their non-working stuff. This allows for effective dosing and a 30-day-plus supply per unit. For the pets, they've got drops that go on their food or in their mouth. they got chicken and salmon-flavored ones. They've got soft gel capsules. they got a gravy powder. You just sprinkle that over their food or put a couple of water in there, and it makes a nice little gravy mix chocked full of CBD, glucosamine, and omegas for their joints. They've got nose and toes balm for cracked noses and paws, and they got some all-natural treats on the way. All this is available at wholepetcbd.com. Elite Cannabis, Elite Botanicals, and now Whole Pet CBD, all from Elite. Go check it out.